Welcome to Plant Network Podcast, where we talk to horticulturists about their gardens and their careers. Today I'm talking to Cal Stewart, who is, and this is a, this is a long one, Horticultural Education Officer at RHS Garden Harlow Carr as well as being the Northern Regional Organiser for the Chartered Institute of Horticulture's Young Horticulturist of the Year competition and advisor for the Wildlife Gardening Forum. Wow, Cal, thank you for finding the time to talk to me today with all those. My pleasure. Well well done for that as well. What a mouthful that was for you. Cal, I usually start by asking people about their current role. So pick one of those three and run. (laughs) Yeah, thank, thanks, Rebecca. Yeah, so I'm employed by the RHS as uh, at Harlow Carfield in the education department. So I work as a horticultural, one of the horticultural education officers. There's two of us, uh, which is a quite a new role as well. So I've only been there now for, uh, I think I started in the uh, back end of September time. So it's quite new, quite new for that. And around about the same time was also when I was offered the position of being Northern Regional Organiser. For the young horticulture there as well so two good things all came at once which is great and working with the wildlife gardening forum been doing that for a couple of years and i think that started in the first you know the first ever lockdown that we had from covid where i got involved with the facebook page and the group and sort of took it away from there so yeah do bits of work do write some guides and information for them that they can use within the charity so lots going on but it's all right i'm quite happy to be doing that can you tell us a bit about your horticultural education officer role then with the RHS? Yeah, so the main focus of my position is I lead schools. They, they come in to visit the gardens, I take them out and, and get, them, get them involved, you know, show, show them what horticulture is from younger ages mainly. So I look at the primary education side of things. I do have a secondary education offer as well, which is in the pipeline and being worked on by my colleague. Uh, which is very exciting how that's going to come through but we we cover lots of different areas we always make sure that it's tying with the national curriculums but also what the objectives are for the rhs and a lot of that for us is making sure that we're promoting gardening for our health and well-being promoting sustainable practices you know so security in the future lots of different ideas it's great i really really enjoy it it's definitely different from what i used to do because I, I used to be an operational gardener for the National Trust and I spent five years doing that. So I've taken a sort of lateral step into this position to really, my motivation is promoting horticulture as you know a fantastic occupation and as a career path. Why did you feel that that was, that was the move for you then? A summary of lots of things. It was hard leaving my position as a gardener, definitely, because where I worked, was incredible it's fun fantastic place to work you know it it is a dream job i was just ready for that next challenge really and i learned so much working with the senior gardener on at at the site and and it really ignited my passion and enthusiasm for organic management wildlife gardening you know just just trying to be a more sustainable greener gardener and it was with all that knowledge and support i thought i want to share this more and in particular, you know, the first place to start is always with the younger generations who can then have that influence and take that forward. And hopefully that will influence them.
to make to make a difference and and to join into the industry and and be part of all the great things we do, but also just to become greener citizens that we all know we need that, don't we? In our in our modern in our modern worlds, we're all screaming out for just more sustainable practices, and it's great to be part of that. And that and that's what drove me into it. I thought, yeah, now's the time, definitely. You are obviously passionate about what you do. How did you? How did that passion start? How did you get into horticulture? This is a funny story, actually, and people are always people ask me this quite often, actually, and and I've always got a really long-winded story to tell them, so I'll try not to go too far down it. I've always been an outdoors person, and uh, my my parents were always very good at influencing me to to go outdoors, to you know, to work outdoors, be be part of be part of that kind of lifestyle and my my dad's from a forestry background largely but also a very conservation-based background as well and my mother was a farmer for a long time and just in general worked worked in land-based industries kind of thing so from that point when even from a a young lad I was had to go down that direction anyway because it's just what we did as a family as I got older I got more into performing arts and things like that and I actually have a degree in music which not a lot of people realize at first so initially my path was very different to horticulture it wasn't until after I'd completed a music degree that I realized that my heart just wasn't in it I'd, I'd done a lot I'd experienced a lot but I, it just wasn't what I wanted to do anymore so I kind of looked back and reflected on everything and I thought you know actually why don't I give horticulture a proper go because it had always it had always been there. At that point, I started looking at apprentices or trainees, and I didn't really get anywhere for a little while. So I decided on enrolling into a college course, foundation degree in horticulture, and that was and that was my formal training for it. And alongside that, now this is when things get a little bit funny. I spent a lot of years working in hospitality, catering industries, but in particular, when I started bartending properly in York. I started to learn a lot about gin botanicals and mixology and learning about like the science behind how booze is made. And that's really grabbed me. And I thought, man, I want to know more about why, why does gin taste so great? How come these plants are making, making it taste so unique? And at the time, gin was such a big deal. This was back eight years ago, maybe. <laughs> so I wanted to learn more about, about gin and mixology where plants fitted into all that and and that's what I focused on for a long time and I came up with loads of crazy ideas to start a company that was like grow your own grow your own gin or grow your own cocktails but I never I never really followed it in the end because I I ended up working in a plant nursery a big commercial operation which was good I learned I learned a lot of ins and outs in, in that in that nursery it was good. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't quite satisfying my desire to know more about plants. And that's when a, a job with the National Trust came up and I, and I saw it and I looked at it and I thought, that sounds great because it's an organic garden. It's a wildlife garden in North Yorkshire. It wasn't far away from where I was living. It sounded perfect, but I was most definitely underqualified. At the time, I was still studying. I was still in college. And I remember going to the interview and I just thought, nah, this is never going to happen. Uh, so I went, I went back to work the next day, you know, got back onto the potting machines and stuff. And I was just sort of thinking about it. And then I got the call and they offered me the job. And I just thought, whoa, that's, that's incredible. I mean, I'm not, 
I, I, I felt not ready in myself, but there was obviously something which looked attractive about what I'd done on the day. And then best decision I ever made was to finish my time in the nursery and then start, start that job gardening with the National Trust. That was great. Five years time. And here I am and I'm totally different direction, but still involved in the industry with the RHS, which is great. Do you think you might revisit the the whole gin botanicals area again in the future? Is it something you kind of put on the back burner, but you're not forgetting? I think I revisit gin botanicals uh, most weekends, Rebecca, actually. In a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> she is laughing at that, by the way, everybody. She's just on mute at the minute. Uh, would I revisit it from a, a business point of view or something? I think I would, because there's a real there's a real interest for people to have locally grown foods or, you know, make, make, you make your own product sort of thing. So he, sort of hedgerow foraging, you know, but botanical classes about how to do, how to do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, maybe one day as a side project, I would, I mean, I'd love to have a gin still, that'd be great, but it takes a little bit, a little bit of effort to get all involved with that stuff. Considering you're, you're fairly, you know, Young-ish. new to, to your career, you are, you are. <laughs> I, it feels difficult to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it. If you could go back those few years when you could go back, would you have done anything differently? I, I think that's a totally fair question to ask me. I, I absolutely would. If I, if I could go back to my sort of 16-year-old self and have, a, and have a chat, I'd be like, right, stop what you're doing right now. You need to listen. You're going to go down the wrong path and then you're going to change your mind. You, you need to make that decision now and horticulture is the way you're going to do it and if I could just, if someone could have just told me at the time follow your, your deep passion follow the outdoors follow gardening if I'd have listened to that I, I'd be in a totally I mean I'd be in the industry of course I'd be working in horticulture but I think I'd be in a much different place you know with different things going on so so if I could change anything it would just be to have started earlier rather than being in my early 20s I wish I'd started in my teenage years studying you know going down horticultural sixth form you know college whatever it was at the time I wish I'd done it earlier really that's like a change do you know you're the first person who said that I think everyone I've spoken to so far and I've done I think this is the 33rd interview everyone said nope I'd do it all again so yeah I've, I've got I've got time for that when when people do say no I would I wouldn't change a thing because if, if I did, would I be here now? But I think because I'm so in love with horticulture that I know that it still would have been great. Like even, even if I had gone a different path uh, earlier on, I know I'd still be absolutely loving the industry. I'd still be here. It would just be under a different context. So although I don't like to have regrets and I don't want to change the past, sometimes it does, it does make me think where I would be if I just started a little bit earlier. Given that you'd go back and talk to your younger self and given your role as well, talking to, to young people about, about the career of horticulture, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out? So a young person who's not totally sure whether horticulture is for them. I often think about this actually, because people do ask me for advice because they know that, you know, they know that, that I'm involved in the industry. I think one of the main things that I came across when I was studying, and it, and it used to really bug me, if I told somebody that I was studying horticulture, they're like, oh, does that mean you like cut grass? I was like, what? Like, it's so much, you know, it's so much deeper than that. This is a scientific discipline, you know, it's not, yeah, I do cut grass, actually, funny, funny enough, but, like, 
it's you know there's an art in cutting grass alone there's a science attached to lawn management so to anyone who's wanting to start off in industry now what i'd say to you is don't let those people put you off like you're not just going to be cutting grass you're not just going to be potting plants you're not going to just be sticking pansies in hanging baskets not like that like it's a lot deeper there's it, like it's limitless the industry is absolutely limitless i promise anyone who's listening to this if you go down in the horticultural career i promise you there's a job for you and and, and if you don't find one please come and come and tell me come and tell me because i'm quite confident that no matter what you want it doesn't matter if it's administration it might be art you know designing gardens biology you know it can be some of the most unique things that you're into gym botanicals for example <laughs> horticulture's got the answer for you and it's it's going to be big business the you know it's it's going to be a big deal and it has to be a big deal uh, the way the way we're sat politically you know the way things are we're, we're going to need to invest more and more and more into horticulture and horticulture doesn't just mean enjoying the pretty plants it's it's there's so many strings strings to it and you know it's just do it young horticulturists just right now listening just do it and don't let anyone stop you because you're going to love it i promise that's what i'd say <laughs> that that's that's wonderful as i said your, your your passion for it does does shine through and it just reminded me then i i did green planet with the rhs before covid and there were some amazing cards. If you, I suppose you might use them actually. They're, they're little cards, and it was kind of a uh, po- yeah. post-apocalyptic world, and yes. you had to choose a landscape and grow and things. And I was just amazed at the the children we were working with because they were they were pulling out, you know, horticulturalist growers. We want the people who can deal with this environment, who can give growers food, who can create microclimates. Sorry, I just just saw that when you were talking about you yeah. know, the way the world is going. I know exactly what little card game you're on about. Yeah, I've, I've got one on my desk at work, actually. You're right. Within that card game, there was things like choose choose your professional that you take with you. Like if there was a, an apocalypse, choose your landscape, choose your plants. So you explored. There was engineers, there was plant scientists, soil scientists, and it wasn't there. And then there was different habitats like alpines, rainforests, different plants, medicinal plants, uh, plants to make things with. It's a really good game, that actually. Yeah. Uh, if anybody sees a copy of that, pick it up and play it because it's ace. I'd love to get a copy of it. So if anybody knows how to get it as well, because it just seems to be yeah, I don't, I don't the know education if it's in print. team at RHS. Yeah, I don't know if it's in print or if it's a, if it was a standalone at the time. It was way before I joined. But yeah, it's an awesome game. It is. It yeah. is. And it really gets you thinking. So given all of this, what do you think the future holds for you, Cal? That is a, a really great question. <laughs> I don't really, I don't know. I don't really know, to be honest. There's lots of things are going on this year for me. I'm, I'm really, really excited about my, my new role. So sticking in, sticking in the RHS education and just really embracing that because it's been so difficult over the past few years, particularly for schools. I'm really so excited about supporting schools now over this, what I hope is going to be a much more return to normal kind of year. So fingers crossed we're going to get schools back out there and back, you know, and join the garden space. So I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to the Young Horticulturist of the Year. My first year being the regional organiser. I can't wait 
to do it all and be involved and see these young minds, people getting involved in the industry. I'm looking forward to hopefully sharing my passion with them. And fingers crossed, we'll find a winner from the North for the final this year. Fingers crossed. Although I look forward to the future, I like being in the here and now as well. And I want to just keep plowing forward and keep keep driving what I'm doing and, and share it with others. And although I, I think the future is going to be great, for myself and, and how I the direction I want to go but I want to bring people along with me <laughs> so to speak and and sh and share that and let's make the future brighter for everyone in the industry kind of thing and that and that's yeah so I'm looking forward to it but I want I want to I want people to join me in that as well I wonder whether do you, do you often do you ever think about a career in kind of the horticultural media or the media more generally um, just just spread the word I'd love to do a lot more media stuff, and, and I have done in, in the past. It's a really great thing I was involved with, must have been last year now, but do you remember BBC Radio 2's Big B Challenge? Do you remember that? Yeah, so I was involved with that, and, and one of the real highlights that happened was I was interviewed on the, on the Sunday morning show about the involvement I'd have uh, with, a, with a border that I designed that was designed for pollinators, uh, particularly solitary bees and social bees. And I loved that experience. And it was a great way to educate people and tell people a little bit more and, you know, hear it from, you know, hear it from people who are really working at the heart of that kind of conservation effort. So, yeah, Gardener's World, if you're listening, I'd, I'd happily, uh, <laughs> I'd happily take a spot. That would be great. <laughs> I usually ask people to tell us a little bit about the garden that they work in you haven't been at Harlow Car long and it feels a bit cruel but I just wondered whether maybe there's a northern garden that you would suggest that that's off the beaten the tra track and people need to visit to get an idea of what gardening in the north of England is like the the north is spoiled for choice when it comes to fantastic gardens actually Harlow Car at the minute is looking absolutely fantastic particularly places like the Winter Walk which I frequently meander up and down um, on a daily basis and some of the bulbs are starting to poke through now. So we're getting the first of the snowdrops, some of the winter flowering. Daphne's are starting to pop out now and the Mahoney's are still going. And it's looking great down there. So if you are able to get to Harlow Car, you, you certainly should, because it really is worth the visit. I'm going to plug my old garden as well, which is Nunnington Hall with the National Trust, which is in uh, North Yorkshire, which is an organically managed garden. It has been for 20 plus years now, I believe. It's an ecological garden and the senior gardener in charge is one of my, you know, significant mentors over my life. So do, do, do pay a visit there. And within the same portfolio, you've also got the wonderful Ormsby Hall, which is in Cleveland, another NT garden. Now, both of these properties, I think, don't open until sometime in mid-February, I think. Could be Valentine's weekend. <laughs> Funnily enough, I'm not sure. Down the way from Nunnington Hall, you've also got the Helmsley Walled Garden, which is another absolute gem in the area. Love, gorgeous little garden. Oh, yeah, I could go on for ages and ages, but there's, there's a, a plug of a few for people to explore if they can. But, you know, just get on the websites and get on the internet and just type in Northern Gardens. Loads to see. It's great. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you now, if you can, and this is a difficult question, I think, for anybody working in horticulture. I know what's coming. You do. <laughs> Do you have a favourite plant, group of, group of plants, planting scheme, anything like that? Oh, man. I think this is probably the hardest question you can ask anybody. Doesn't matter what you do. Anybody in the world, this is the hardest question ever. 
on a, on a really on a really um basic level i've got a bit of a soft spot for primula auriculars you know auricular hybrids and things i've got a tattoo of one on my arm that's how into it i am i really like them so seeing these lovely auricular theaters and things at the shows i think they're gorgeous they're brilliant but i've never really practiced growing them although i will do one day i think i'll have my own little theater full of auriculars so yeah from an ornamental point of view i'm i'm, I'm really into that honestly though i think my favorite plant of all time and it always will be is got to be just the humble dandelion as simple as that because it, it's had such a bad rep over so many years and it's been vilified and you know buy this chemical to get rid of it and all this stuff and we're really starting to see a change in people's attitude towards dandelions which is great because it is such an integral plant for wildlife you know it the, the nectar and the pollen that it contains is so high and is so important to so many invertebrate survivals uh, but not just you know not even just bees and butterflies you know, there's birds that feed on the seed heads or birds that will feed on the florets you know the whole plant the whole every single part of a dandelion is edible you know from from the flower to the leaves to the root systems makes a fantastic coffee substitute anybody who's not looking for caffeine you know the spring greens and salads the flowers to decorate cakes i just yeah my favorite plant of all time has got to be Taraxacum officinale, the humble dandelion I think that's, so, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. So, are we going to see a dandelion gin anytime soon, or is there one? Oh yeah, there are. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're, they're, yeah, definitely. Um, dandelion. I've drank gin with dandelions in before, definitely. And um, whether there's a, a total dandelion gin, I don't know. Actually, that's something I should explore. But um, you, I've, I've had dandelion wine, dandelion vodka before. So yeah, it it tastes great, and it, it's um, it's just that lovely lovely earthy flavor but it's got these top notes of sort of lovely citrus floral perfumes really lovely cook, cook with dandelion as well grow dandelions and also cook with them because they're great for it definitely and drink them <laughs> and they're so cheerful as well because they're quite yeah. early flowering aren't they and you get that lovely well, sea it. of yellow and it's just it's just beautiful it's they're great a lot of people don't realize there's like over 200 species or subspecies i, sh- I should say of, of dandelions in the uk alone i mean that's fascinating why would, people just look at it and think, oh, it's a weed, dandelion. Nah, that could be a rare subspecies to that locality of area. Like you just never know. Pay more attention to dandelions because they're just awesome. So we have the Dandelion Fan Club here, just <laughs> starting up. So Cal, you've, you probably don't use a lot of garden tools in your day job at the moment, but do you have a garden tool that you, you just couldn't be in the garden without? Yeah, definitely. You're dead right. I don't use a lot of tools anymore other than pens and pencils and paper and computers. But when I was working in gardens, my absolute, I had a, hand, I had a couple of ones actually, but my absolute go-to or where I would never go without is, is a, like a patio knife or a speed weeder. I, I used to call it the organic gardener's best friend because you can literally do anything with a, with a speed weeder or a patio knife. So it was great for getting in, in the gravel, getting in between paving slabs, you know, where the annual meadow grass is growing or something. It was great for hoeing off. It's great for drills. You know, it's, it, you've got, you can even propagate with it. I, you, I would use it to split perennials with, and it's, they can be so small and short and compact, you know, just an extension of your, of your hand really. So that was my absolute go-to. And my other go-to was just to have access to a good garden rake like a good steel-headed rake that you can 
I mean, you can achieve so much with the rake. It's like a multi-tool in itself. You know, you've got the tines that you can flatten earth with or to make drills or to rake the gravel. But if you turn that over, you've got a really, you know, a great leveler, something that you can hoe with. You can flick in edges of the borders with, you know, it's so versatile. There's a good, a good steel garden rake with a nice long handle on it as well. So you're not doing your back in. And then my final tool, which is a recent addition for me actually, was a, a gift from my ex-senior gardener now, uh, which is of course a, a hori hori knife. It's sort of these very, very trendy now to have these Japanese influenced tools. But now that I've used one, I mean, I've known how great they are for ages anyway, but now I've got my own one and that I've used it. They're just, they're almost better than a speed reader, almost because they're very versatile and you can do a lot with them, but they're a bit larger, whereas a speed reader is a bit more compact and discreet. And they look, they're a bit threatening as well. I think Hori Hori knife sometimes, but they're quite sharp, aren't they? But th- thank you for sharing, sharing those. And I have to admit, I've been Pleasure. using a rake an awful lot lately. So there's a, we have a book club as well. So yeah. recommending a book that's inspired you or one that you use as a, as a reference now, anything really, just one that you, you, you just couldn't be without. My absolute, my absolute go-to reference book and just something which has supported me throughout my entire career, it's got to be Organic Gardening, A Natural No-Dig Way, which is one of Charles Dowding's books. And it is just brilliant. It is so good. When, when, I, was learning, when I was learning about um, crop cultivation and you know, how to, how to you know, manage food crops and things, Every single time I was researching or reading, doing whatever, I would have Charles's book next to me because the, the depth he goes into, you know, he explains it in such a digestible way that it really helped me understand what was going on. And a lot of, obviously, no dig technique is so, so dominated by the idea that you need to look after your soil, which is absolutely spot on as well. It's so true. And that is so obvious with Charles's writing that he just he cannot drill that point home enough and it really does work so organic gardening the natural no dig way Charles Dowding is a, a great starting point for anyone who's is looking into vegetable and fruit production but he also covers ornamental stuff as well so he does you know cut flowers and, and other bits and pieces so no dig doesn't have to be restricted to just crops vegetables you can use it all over the garden you know it can be applied in borders everything thank you Charles great book so that's, that's all my questions for you today, cool. Cal. So thank you very much for speaking with me. It's my pleasure. Thank you as well. Um, and I hope that what I've said, I hope that's helped for someone who might be thinking about the industry and good luck as well. And if anybody ever does want to chat to me or get careers advice or just, you know, talk about plants or anything, find me on Instagram at HortiCal, spelled H-O-R-T-I. C-A-I-L at Horticol and I'm always happy to talk to people about whatever it might be. 